0: Man, I want to welcome you to a brand new series that we're doing called Blueprint. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. Um, as you're getting there, I just want to uh, call Ignacio back out. Um, you know, I've said this to him Privately, but I want to say it publicly. I'm just so thankful for people that are willing to do um, whatever it takes for the ministry. And we've been, you know, the last couple of weeks is like our whole team, our vocalists have been sick. And I know that you've had like your throw. And I was thinking, how is he doing that? Because I know that like sometimes speaking, you know, it can just kind of irritate your throat and all of that. So I just wanted to publicly recognize you and thank you. And um, would you guys give Ignacio a hand? One of our worship leaders. He leads our team. And um, I love that, that, man, you are uh, willing to do uh, anything, everything, or nothing for the ministry. And I just just wanted to say thank you. I appreciate you. Man, let's give it up one more time. You know, gratitude, gratitude is never silent. And so if you have people in your life that mean the world to to you. Say that to them. Say it to them. Okay. So that's the that's a message before the message. All right. Uh, Ephesians chapter three is where we're at. Uh, we're doing a, a new, uh, not a new series. We're in the middle of a series called Blueprint. It's um <clears throat> it's basically it's it's based on the book of Ephesians and um, in essence, just in case maybe this is your first time with us today, Ephesians. God is trying to send a message to you and to me And the message is He wants to tell us How to make the most Of what He gives us How to make the most Out of the resources And the things, the gifts that He has given us And so that's why it's called Blueprint It is a a blueprint for our spiritual journey It's a blueprint for our lives Okay, so Ephesians chapter 3 If you don't have your Bibles, no worries Most of the verses will be on the screen let me do a quick recap. Chapter 1, God tells us a little bit about our identity, who we are in Christ. And what you're going to see as we, as we dig into this book is that the beginning chapters, the beginning verses of Ephesians, God is telling us who we are. When you get to the end, who we are in Christ. When you get to the end, He's going to tell us what we do in Christ or for Christ okay so we begin with who we are in Christ and we're going to end with what we do in Christ so that's chapter one <clears throat> it's all about our identity chapter two we looked at this last week and chapter two in, in essence is, is the Easter story but made personal so it's your journey and and God says before you're a Jesus follower you were dead in your sins and we looked at that but God made us alive in Christ and there's a lot of hope Uh, In that, a lot of inspiration in that So go back and listen to that message uh, uh, On YouTube or our website, podcast, any of that stuff So chapter 1, chapter 2 Today is chapter 3 Let's get into it, All right. Verse 1, it says When I think of all this This is what Paul is saying When I think of all this What what is all this? Well, the things that we've learned Chapter 1 and chapter 2 Okay He says, when I think of all this I, Paul Watch this, don't miss it A prisoner of Christ, Jesus, for the benefit of you Gentiles. Now, you see that dash? Most of your Bibles, at the end of verse 1, you'll see that dash. Some Bibles have three dots. And the reason why is he cuts his sentence short. He doesn't finish his thought. And actually, he goes from verse 2 to verse 13. It's almost like a parenthesis. And he begins to talk about kind of he goes on a tangent and begins to talk about what's in his heart, and I'm not going to cover those verses. We'll cover the rest of the chapter, uh, but basically, what you need to know is that he says, "He says, you Gentiles and Jews, Jews, um, you we're all under the same, the same, we're all united under the banner, uh, under the blood of Jesus Christ." Okay, so that's kind of verses two and 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 uh, through verses thirteen. What I do want you to pay attention to. Is how he begins. Let's let's look at it one more time. It says, I Paul, a prisoner of who? Help me out, a prisoner of Christ. Now, this is important, and I'll tell you why. Paul, at the moment, okay, when he when he wrote this, he was in a Roman prison. He was chained to a Roman guard. Okay? the you know this is um, like when he was in prison in rome like he would uh, write letters we call it the book of ephesians but really what they were they were letters that he was sending out to different churches that he had started and the reason why he was there is because the jewish people did not like what he was teaching so he was arrested because of them what's interesting though is that he doesn't say paul a prisoner of the jews he doesn't say, even though that if you if you look at his story, he had been in prison for for days, years actually. He doesn't say, I, Paul, a prisoner of the Romans. And actually, he's when he wrote this letter, he's actually waiting for trial to present his case before Caesar, um, uh, you know, the, the great Roman leader. And he does not say, Paul, a prisoner of Caesar. No. He says, Paul. A prisoner of Christ. And I hope what you, what you get out of this is that he understands his identity regardless of his circumstances. Regardless of the mistakes of the past. And this is huge. Because often in your life, if you're like me, often our identity is based on the, on, often on the mistakes of the past. Right? So you went through a divorce, you know, and immediately the world labels you. You know, and they, they give you a label. You did something that, man, that was like, that was a moment in time. That wasn't my proudest day, but it was a mistake. And all of a sudden, your identity forever becomes that one thing. Paul does not allow his circumstances, because he could have said, Paul, a prisoner of Rome, Paul, a prisoner of the Jews, Paul, a prisoner of No, he does not allow his circumstances to dictate who he is. And so he begins by saying, Paul, a prisoner of Christ. And so I hope that as we look at this message, the struggles, the mistakes of the past have their proper perspective. Learn from them, grow from them, but don't allow them to dictate who you are into your future. There are three axioms that he's going to give us in this chapter. Okay, An axiom basically is a, It's like an idea, it's like a proposition that's well established It's a a truth, that's what an axiom is, okay It's something that, like most people would agree on There are three axioms that God wants to teach us The first one is this, Let's let's put it on the screen, okay Everything God wants to do next in your life Is connected to what he's doing now okay let me kind of pause a little bit kind of let you guys get it digested for a moment everything that god wants to do next in your life whatever's coming up that you're not aware of that you don't know that whatever the future holds whatever he wants to whatever um, role he wants to, to play next is actually connected To what he's doing in your life right now So the example is Paul right He's in prison he did not want to be in prison And he could have been complaining right Like he he was in prison For sharing the gospel Like that doesn't compute in our minds With all the freedoms that we have But he could have been in prison He could have been complaining But he knows intuitively That everything that God wants to do next Is connected To what God is doing now in my life? Now He was in the perfect place to write. Think about it. I know a few. I have a few friends that are writers, and I know that one of the things that you need to be able to write is you need a free, uh, an environment where there is no distractions. Okay. Well, He's in prison. You know, all of a sudden, like hey, there's no distractions. I know that if you're a writer, one of the things that you need is you need, like, no interruption, no, no distraction, but you need, you need time, right? Well, all of a sudden, Paul is in prison. He's got all the time in the world to write exactly what God wanted him to say. But look at it from this perspective. He had no idea what hung in the balance. And what God was about to do in his life and in the lives of millions and millions of people. Paul as he's writing this letter He didn't know that, that this letter Was actually going to be a, a collection of other letters And they're going to put it They're going to combine it and put it all together in, in a book that we call the Bible And he didn't know that years later This Bible would eventually become the number one bestseller. He had no idea Not just in his time but throughout history He had no idea that he was going to write Two thirds of the New Testament That's a lot. I mean, that's a big portion, two-thirds of the New Testament. He was just faithful in the moment. And so the character, the endurance, the discipline that he was attaining, the influence that he was going to have on the world stage is the reason why he was exactly in the right place, even though he didn't necessarily like it. And so the question for us is, could it be the same for you and for me? Could it be... Could it be that you are going through what you're going through in life right now, because God's getting re- getting you ready for the next stage? And so I want you to here's what I want you to do. I want you to I don't want you to leave today and say like, oh, we're studying the, the book of Ephesians. Okay, that's great. Okay, that's good. Studying the Bible, no, no, not a bad thing. I don't want you to leave though and say that. I don't want you to leave and say like, hey, we learned something about Paul. What I want you to do is I want you to filter the message through whatever need, whatever struggle you have right now. And I want you to leave, and I want, you to, I want you to say, okay, Lord, what are you teaching me? So let me ask you three questions real quick. Can you look at an obstacle in your life and see an opportunity? Can you see, can you look at an obstacle and actually see an opportunity? Because that's what Paul was doing. Can you look at shortage and actually see God's supply? Can you look, and I know how the economy is going, how things are, you know, and maybe you're struggling financially. Can you look at a problem? Can you look at a shortage? Can you look at a difficulty and see it differently? It's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. Can you look at defeat, but actually see deliverance? So let me kind of illustrate this, this way. Um, There was a, a letter Years ago, before cell phones, before emails, before all of that stuff, a letter that uh, a college student, this girl, basically goes abroad. She's studying in Europe, and she's sending a letter to her parents. Okay, and she writes this. It's all about perspective, and I want you. I thought it was hilarious when I when I read it for the first time, and I think this illustrates the point that I'm trying to make. She says this. So she hasn't she hasn't talked to her mom, dad. She hasn't you know seen them in months, and she says this. Dear mom and dad. I'm so sorry that it's taken me this long to write. Unfortunately, all my stationery was destroyed the night our dorm was set on fire by the demonstrators. Now, if you're a mom, if you're a dad, and you get a letter like this, you know, you haven't talked to your daughter for months, you haven't seen her. And I was like, whoa, what in the world? So, unfortunately, all my stationery was destroyed in the fire that was started by the demonstrators. She, she continues. I'm out of the hospital now. By now, i probably have a heart attack, right? What? What in the world? And the doctors say my eyesight should return <laughs> sooner or later. The wonderful, this is where I would lose it. The wonderful boy, Billy, who rescued me from the fire... Kindly offered to share his little apartment Yeah, sure Um, To share his little apartment with me Until the dorm is rebuilt And I'm thinking, yeah, like I'm on a flight there, you know He comes from a good family So you won't be surprised when I tell you We're going to get married In fact, you've always wanted a grandchild You'll be glad to know that You'll be grandparents in a few weeks now, seriously, what would, if you're a parent, if you're a mom-dad, what would go through your mind if you get a letter like this, right? Like, oh, there's a lot of things. I, I don't want to share half of them with you, but anyway. So she signs it, your loving daughter, and she signs her name. Now, at the end of the letter, she puts P.S., and she says this. Please disregard the above practice in English composition. It was for her class. There was no fire. I haven't been in the hospital I'm not pregnant. I don't even have a, a steady boyfriend, but I did get a C in French, and I just wanted to make sure you received the news in the proper perspective. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. You can have a C all you want. Not a big deal, right? Here's why I tell you that. I, I, want, I want to challenge you to pay attention to the opportunities in the middle of the obstacles. It's easy to just focus on the obstacles. I get it. It's 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 a easy. It's a natural thing for us to do, right? I want to challenge you to pay attention to God's supply when you feel like it's all shortage. Like, where is the next, you know, dollar It's gonna dollar that you know to pay the our utilities. When is the next thing gonna come from? Like, it's easy to focus on the negative but when you look at paul guy is writing and he's encouraging the ephesians and he's encouraging the people at corinth and he's writing one letter after the next and really he could have been complaining and he had a right to complain he had not done anything wrong but share the gospel and but what instead what he's doing is he's writing all of these letters and and the truth is he didn't know he had no idea what hung at the balance 2,000 plus years later There's a group of people That would actually study his life That would be inspired by his words And so Could it be the same in your life Everything That God wants to do next Is connected to what he's doing Right now Alright, we're going to jump to verse 14 Remember verse 2 through 13 Is like a parenthesis, okay And you can read that on your own A little bit of homework But Verse 14, okay, so verse 1, we looked at it and it says, you know, uh, when, when, when I think of all this, basically everything we learned in chapter 1, chapter 2, uh, what we've learned about our identity in Christ and all of that, you know, basically the conclusion is, I, I Paul, I'm a, I'm a prisoner of Christ, not a prisoner of the Jews, not a prisoner of the Romans, not a prisoner of Caesar, and then he continues his thought in verse 14, and he says, when I think of all this, here's, here it is. I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. So one thing that you don't know is, or may not uh, remember uh, or may not keep in mind is that like, the Ephesians are actually going through tremendous persecution. Okay? So not only was Paul in prison, but they're actually going through a difficult time as well. And so he says, when I think of all this that I've shared in chapter 1 chapter 2, I fall to my knees, I pray to the Father, verse 15, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth, and I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he'll empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then, verse 17, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him, and your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Now, I was reading this, and I, and I was like, man, I love this, this verses 14 through 17. I love those verses. And i tell you Why? just because you know that what god wants to do next in your life is connected to what he's doing right now does not mean that life all of a sudden gets easier right you may know yeah this is preparation i tell my kids all the time it builds character but in the middle of that difficulty just because you know that this is going to help for the next stage of life it's still hard you're still having to deal with the cancer. You're still having to deal with the finances. You're still having to deal with the kid that, that's sick or that, you know, you running around the house and you're overcommitted. You're still, and so, so, so here's the here's where the second axiom comes from. Axiom number two, okay, is this prayer is a bridge between panic and peace. Prayer is the bridge between when you're like. I don't know what's gonna happen, and you're like freaking out, you know, and you're like, ah, prayer is a bridge between the moment when you're panicking and having peace. It's like inner peace. The Bible calls it supernatural peace. Sometimes the world thinks that like doesn't quite quite get it, okay? I um a while back I read an article that said uh, from the National Institute of Mental Health that said about 15 million people in the United States actually deal with, like, anxiety, panic attacks, that sort of things, okay? I'm talking about, like, major, like, the, the sort of things that that's characterized by, here's what they say, repeated, unexpected episodes of intense fear. 15 million people deal with call it panic attacks, panic disorder, anxiety disorder. Uh, um, Often it's accompanied by physical symptoms that may include chest pain, heart palpitations, shortness of breath, dizziness, and a number of other things. And there was a graph on this article that said of the 15 million, let's put it on the screen, 25.7 consider, like when they looked at their own situation, 25.7 said like it's mild. Okay, 29.5 said that it's actually moderate, but what I want you to notice is this number: 44.8% of those 15 million people said this is serious. This is not just like another thing that you, you know, that like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm worried. No, no, no. This is like it's affecting me emotionally. It's affecting me mentally. It's affecting me spiritually. About half of 15 million people. That's a lot of people. Now, here's why I share that with you, Paul finds himself in a very difficult place right church is being persecuted literally killed for the name of Christ he's you know facing trial in prison he doesn't know the outcome his his of his future doesn't understand what's going to happen but here's how he's dealing with it here's what he says it says paul he says i find myself he says in a difficult situation like prison Full of anxiety, full of panic But here's what I do I fall to my knees Now watch this, watch this Don't miss it He says I fall to my knees And I pray to my heavenly father And then he uses this phrase That often if you're reading it You just kind of skip over but it says the creator Of everything In heaven and on earth now, I want to illustrate this for you and I because you you may you may hear me say that phrase and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I know he's a creator. But I want you to I want you to, the best you can, I want you to understand and, and try to comprehend when Paul says the creator of everything that we see in heaven and earth. I want you to, let me illustrate it like this. Have you guys heard about the new telescope? The James Webb telescope. Anybody raise your hand real quick? You guys with me? Okay, some of you have, some of you haven't. All right, let me tell you about it. This thing was, I think it was like $10 billion. That's what it cost, okay, to make. We pay for that, all right? So you better know something about it. (laughs) It's a lot of money, okay? Tax dollars at work, right? $10 billion for a telescope. Who spends that kind of money? We do. okay let me tell you what it does it's a, it's a really cool thing okay this thing it actually traveled i think from december if i'm not mistaken for six months okay into outer space a million miles away from earth okay a million miles away and it takes pictures it's a telescope and um, basically it's like a hundred times uh more powerful than the hubble telescope it took 30 years to develop and um It uses infra infrared lighting so like lights and and the cool thing is it can detect the heat signature of a bumblebee as far away as the moon okay so picture that heat signature of a bumblebee from here to the moon okay that's that's cool that's what i want to do is i want to show you a couple of pictures i'm going somewhere with this okay i don't want to lose you here um, so this is one of the first pictures that it was taken from outer space this thing is a, a hundred uh, let's say a million miles away from earth okay and it takes this picture all right I want you to look right there in the middle that's a dying do you see the little dot It right, looks like a star that is a dying star that is 2,000 light years away from us 2,000 light years away from us Okay, so if you do the math I did this earlier um, the, uh, the closest, the nearest star to us Is four uh, light years away from us Okay, and what's a light year? Okay, light year is basically the, the, the speed that light travels In one year Okay, so light travels Does anybody know? How fast does light travel? 186,000, there you go 186,000 miles a second Okay, so stay with me I know I'm doing a little bit of math with you this morning But it's, it's all good So, 186 miles Boom, one second That's pretty fast, right? The nearest star Is four light years away That's, that's pretty far like, Actually, I did the math And it's, it's Let's see if I can find it 24 trillion miles away That's the nearest star to us This thing right here, 2,000 light years away from us. That's, I would say, that's pretty big. That's a long way. And yet, it's just a short little part of the universe. Now, with that in mind, I want you to listen to what the Bible says. Isaiah 40, verse 12. Listen to what God says. It's what the Bible says. Isaiah 40, verse 12. It says that God measures heaven with a span. You know what a span is? A span is the distance between your thumb and his little finger. What does that tell you about our God? What it it tells me is, man, we serve. he, He measures the universe with the distance between his thumb and his little finger. What that tells me is, man, I serve a big God I serve a God who's above it all, who's greater than all, who's much bigger than my little thing that I'm worrying about this weekend. And so, let's read the verses again. Paul says, when I'm worried, when I'm anxious, when I don't know what to do, I get on my knees and I pray to my heavenly Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth, and watch what it says, verse 16, and I pray. Watch this. This is what you, when you pray, this is what you're tapping into. It says, and I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, the same God that spoke and created all of those stars is the God that you're privileged to, to pray to. And so Paul says, here's what I do. In the middle of the struggle, I pray that from his glorious and his unlimited resources, I'll gain strength through his spirit. And then, verse 17, Christ, when I do that, Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Watch this. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. This verse, as I was studying for this week, um, this message, it reminded me of what, something that happened to me last Sunday. So after church, after the second service, I had a student. From LifePoint That came up to me And he's like Pastor, pastor I, I have a I wrote a proverb That you maybe you can use In one of your messages You know And he, he, he told me What he wrote You know And I, I was saying bye To a few people And some first time guests And you know It was like my mind Was in like a couple of Different places And it's like All I heard was Pastor, I wrote your next sermon Okay And I'm like Okay, there you go Let's, let's do this And so I brought you a proverb I wrote a proverb that maybe you can use in one of your messages And he told me the problem And he kind of confused me And I was like, okay And then I said, hey, would you just write it down? Because I want to, I you know, I couldn't It was hard for me to, like, you know, digest what he had said Sure enough, you know, I dismissed everybody Said goodbye took the, He wrote it down Took the little piece of paper Put it on my desk Did not look at it until the next day, Monday morning I get to my desk and here's what I read. Let's put it on the screen. Here's what, the, the proverb that he wrote. He said, "Blessed be the one who follows the Lord's Blessed be the one that follows the Lord's provisions, for he is the sapling that grows strongest under the sun." I don't know if you know what a sapling is. it's a young tree with a slender trunk." And I, and I thought of this verse, and I read it, and honestly, when I read it, I was like, "Whoa! That's that's deep right there. Blessed be the one who follows the Lord's provision, for he is the sapling that grows strongest under the sun. This is what God's teaching you today. You and I, when we trust him in those moments of difficulties, what Paul is saying, when you pray to the God of the universe, the commander of the universe, then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him, your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. Okay, we're almost done. couple of, let me, let me review. Axiom one, everything that God wants to do next is connected to what he's doing now. Axiom two, prayer is a bridge between panic and peace. You're praying to the God of the universe. And then last, this is the last point, the third axiom. And, and this is kind of the why behind we pray, Okay. Verse 18, here's what he says. And may you have the power to understand. Get this, we're almost done. Don't miss it, okay? May you and I have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep, and all I could think of was uh, the universe. I'm trying to comprehend 2,000 light years away. You know, if four, if four light years away is like 23 trillion miles, what would 2,000 be? And that's with our little technology, right? I see us sometimes like little people trying to figure this out. And we travel as far as we can go, million miles into outer space. And we pop up this telescope and we're trying to see what's out there and I see this verse and all of a sudden it just kind of hits my heart And let's look at it one more time and may you have the power to understand how God's as God's people should how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is and may you experience the love of Christ watch this this is important though it is too great to understand fully you can't understand his love You can there's some things that are just a mystery We can try Here's the third axiom, I'll leave you with this It was not the nails That held him to a cross It was his love For you On that cross It wasn't just the Romans and the Jews That he was dying, no He was thinking of you He was dying for you And what held him up there Was not the nails It was you Now, how do you explain that kind of love? How do you explain God giving up His only Son? For I don't know. I don't know that we can comprehend it. I think we hear it so much that it just kind of blows past us. It's it's really hard. And the truth is that sometimes when you try to do things like what I'm trying to do this morning, like explaining God's love, it's beyond our intellect. You cannot, re- and I know some of you, like if you're a left brain kind of person, you're gonna hate me when I say this. And I'm kind of like that a little bit. I'm very analytical. But you cannot reason it out. You cannot totally explain it with the intellect. There are some things that, like our God is so much bigger than us. You can't, you know, like you, let me, let me just say this. As you grow in Christ, there are some things that you're gonna be able to understand spiritually but you cannot explain intellectually there are some things in your life that you'll know experientially, you'll know just because you know, that you know that you know like I can tell you, I believe that he is more real than the air that I'm breathing right now you, you take the, the doctrine of the trinity for example, right God is three You have God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, but He's one. I may be able to understand that spiritually, but I really can't explain it intellectually fully. It is a mystery. And the same way it is in your life as it relates to God's love. It's a mystery. But once you experience it, Once it's personal, look at what Paul says. Last couple of verses, we're done. Once you experience it, once it's personal, it says, then you'll be able, you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life. All the fullness of life. And all the power that comes from God. Next verse. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine to him be all the glory you look at that verse and you there are some God can do more than you can pray God can do more than you can think or imagine through his power now that makes sense right his power yeah I get it I get it his power but what's strange and what we don't get is the last two words within us God chose to reveal his will through us and that's the part that's a little bit complicated that's the part that sometimes I'm like uh me chose me are you sure I can you know I mean I can see him sending angels and accomplishing his will through, like, with angels or supernatural. I can, that's easy to believe. But to believe that God chose me, to believe that he chose you, that's a whole nother level. And so when we talk about share the love, that's what we're doing. We're just loving on people. No strings attached. We're trying to be a little glimpse of his love. Just a little light. It's not much. But if we can make a difference in somebody's life, if we can just one act of kindness, if we can just pray for somebody instead of bringing them down, if we can just stop the meeting instead of people are you know, arguing and complaining and, and you know, things are being said and gossip, if we can just have a little perspective and see beyond the obstacle, you and I have the privilege to be used by God And it's beyond anything you can ever think or imagine. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, God, thank you for the reminder that everything that you want to do next is connected to what you're doing right now. And those difficult moments help help us to have, help us to gain perspective. God, thank you for the reminder that prayer is a bridge between panic and peace God help us understand we're praying to the commander of the universe thank you for reminding us that it was not nails that held you to a cross it was your love for us God we give you all the glory we give you all the praise we declare you victorious we surrender our will, our desires. God, it's all about you. And we just come before you and we know that you can do more than we could ever think or imagine. And so whatever it is that you have next for us, God, we surrender it and we trust you and we wrestle with the difficulties of life. But God, you are a king and you're a Lord and we declare you holy today. And if Paul could write a letter 2,000 years ago in the midst of persecution, in the midst of, in the middle of a dark prison cell, God, we can worship you and we can serve you and we can make a difference in our community. And so, Lord, we just ask, use us like never before. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.